The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today we have episode 142. At the end of the episode, we will be playing Beyond Brightside. Going back to that, today is 25 and 26. I believe there are only 31 chapters, so we are almost done. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Let's finish this shit up. Um, so, hopefully you guys had a Merry Christmas or enjoying the holidays, all that good shit. Uh, I know it's caused a lot of stress for a lot of people. Um, I am no different. It was a very stressful holiday season. Um, one cool thing that happened because of that, uh, the other day, it was a terrible fucking day. Uh, not the whole day, but let's say after lunchtime, I was pretty upset. Uh, most of the day, I felt like punching a hole through a wall. Usually don't get that angry, that upset. Had a hard time letting it go. Um, smoked a lot of weed to try to calm down. But then, instead of going and doing something, you know, aggressive, physical, something that might have made things worse, um, I went outside, it was fucking cold and raining, I uh, took my shirt off, and I did yoga, and just had it in my earbuds, and zoned out, and it made a world of difference, and just made me realize how important it is to make those good decisions, um, it's easy to give in to uh, feeling like shit, and being angry, um, you know, it's it's very simple to just make that shit worse. But that's why I think it's important to, you know, take a step back, try to make a good decision, whether it's going for a walk, uh, having a good talk with someone, who knows what it is. But hopefully you guys can figure that shit on your own. Uh, a lot of cool stuff is happening. Well, not so cool stuff is I went over the year's uh, expenses. Um, which is always fun to do. End of the year, looking at taxes, how much money was spent, how much money was brought in, came to a big realization. Well, and I've known this all along, but man, I must love what I do because I still am not seeing a profit from it. I have a, I have invested a huge amount of time and money into this. Um, you know, it's my life's work. It's my passion. I would be doing it regardless of whether or not I was making money. Um, for so long at the start, I didn't even care about money, making money. I just wanted to put shit out. I wanted to put content out. I wanted to grow um, with the idea that eventually one day I would be financially successful. Um, but when going through this, I was just thinking about how fucking crazy it is that I have never once received a salary. Uh, I've never once received payment. Um, I have only been putting money into this. Uh, a lot of that is because of trying not to die. I have so many different contracts, so many different books in the works, uh, you know, and those are eventually going to pay off. But it is a big time and money um, commitment. But yeah, just the fact, I don't know how many people would do that where they would just keep continuing something. Even if they're not getting paid, they're not getting paid, they're not getting paid. Just putting all these hours into it. I know a lot of other authors do that. Uh, writers are in that boat. But tired of being in there. And so that's why this year I am, I have to be profitable. Uh, in fact, I'm going to let people go if I am not, um, have a couple people on payroll. So this is it, 2022. If I'm successful by the end of the year, if the Trenish Die series is profitable, which it should be, if all my plans go correctly, everything should be good. If not, then yes, I am going to kind of 
shut shit down a little bit, get rid of extra expenses, um, you know, and just uh, streamline stuff. So another good thing that did was help me fine tune my picture for 2022 and what I was going to spend. Um, I had a right to a couple try not to die authors that were interested in a contract. And I just had to tell them, can't do it yet. Uh, can't do it until prop the series is profitable. So I'm hoping that'll be before the end of 2022. Uh, and then we can look into it. But honestly, right now, I just have too many contracts as it is too many. I'm just spread too thin. So 2022 is going to be the board game. Along with the board, board game, I am going to be writing a short uh, story, a short uh, yeah, companion story for the expansion pack. Uh, Try Not to Die. I'm going to call it Try Not to Die back at Grandma's house. I'm still waiting to hear back from my co-author, Anthony, to see if he's cool with me using his characters, doing the story. Uh, our characters, I should say, and I think he should be. So as long as he's cool with that, um, I will continue to design the board game and that expansion pack. So that story will be out. Hopefully the board game will be out uh, before the end of the year. And then I'm also, I decided I'm only going to do two books this year. I'm only going to do Trying to Die Super High. Uh, and that's if Steve Montgomery is good on continuing on. Uh, trying to Die in the Wild West, which John Palisano is working on right now. Um, and then if one of those doesn't work for 2022, then I will simply go to the next one. There are going to be a couple that are ready. I'm just not going to put them out um, in 2022 unless I have plenty of time, the series is profitable, and it makes sense to put out another book. But I'm just not going to rush books anymore. I rushed uh, I brushed pretty much every book, uh, trying to die in the Wizard's Tower especially. you know. And when you rush a book, it sucks because... Right now, I can't do anything with it. I can't advertise it. I can't market it. There aren't any reviews yet because we just put the book out. Um, I know Sage really wanted a copy of the book. He didn't want any time for Christmas. So we did that. Um, so it's just going to be that much more work to make that book profitable. But it will happen. Uh, one of the cool things that I am doing to help that, uh, I've been meaning to do it for a while, just never got around to it. But right now, uh, actually, they should be out tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'm going to be putting out Try National Dive. Uh, box set books one through three. Um, that's going to help me out a lot because I can advertise. Those are have a higher price uh, instead of buying each of the three books individually at three ninety nine. So like twelve bucks plus tax. Um, I'll probably be selling them for nine ninety nine. So it's a deal. I can advertise it much. It's just going to be much easier for me to advertise a higher price product. Um, there's much more of a profit margin. So that's going to be awesome. I'm also going to be doing the same thing with, um, I'm going to call it a collection of, no, a dark and disturbing collection. And that will be Twisted Reunion, Untold Mayhem, and 25 Perfect Days plus five more. So 82 short stories. Again, instead, if you bought all the individual eBooks, it would be 11, like 15 or 16 bucks. But again, probably be like 9.99 or something like that. So that's cool. And then the TBI book, it's been incredibly frustrating with Lightning Source. Why it has not been enabled for print distribution, it supposedly has, but no one is has been able to pick it up. Uh, I've written Lightning Source several times. Very upsetting. Um, I just keep waiting, 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 waiting. So instead of that, I'm just going to put out the paperback. So Lightning Source has the hard case. I still, you know, we'll put that out as soon as they enable it for print and places start selling it. But in the meantime, uh, tomorrow I'm going to be putting out the TBI or CTE in paperback through Amazon. 
and then that way people can finally get the print copy. I know a lot of people want the print copy. They don't like ebooks. I fucking hate ebooks. Um, I know a lot of people, especially that have TBI symptoms, don't like reading ebooks either. Looking at a screen can sometimes be difficult. Much easier to look at a book. So that is what is going on there. Um, my son Jake has been gone for three days, three nights, three full nights. He went to his grandparents in Colorado. He's been having a lot of fun. So I've been able to get stuff done. I've been able to really concentrate. That's where I came up with the box sets and started working on all those kinds of things. So time without him was good. I was able to use it, but it is much lonelier here. Not nearly as much fun. He's coming back in about an hour, so I'm excited about that. Um, and one other super cool thing that we did for Christmas, Jake really wanted a, a VR set, uh, Oculus. Uh, wasn't so, so sure whether or not we should get one, but then we decided, you know what, Santa will deliver one for the whole family. It'll be for all of us, and it's been awesome. So my wife really enjoys uh, Beat Saber, uh, as does my daughter. She's also enjoying uh, Resident Evil. Um, neither of them plays a lot of games, so it's cool to see them having fun. Uh, my son loves, uh, I think it's super hot, and uh, there might be one other game he plays. And I got stuck on, the, the Beat Saber's kind of cool. It's cool having music to uh, move to, um, but I really enjoyed the archery game. I believe it's called Death Unchained or something like that. So I've been having fun with that. Uh, nice little escape. That was the cool thing for Christmas. So that's pretty much all that's happening over here, but I'm going to hurry off because I need to get ready. I need to put this out. I need to work on the newsletter a little bit before my son returns so I can spend the whole day with him and the family, having a good time, staying up late, watching movies, all that kind of good stuff. I hope you guys have your pl year planned, what 2022 is going to look like for you. I'm going to make it as awesome as possible for myself, for my family, for my friends, for my co-authors. Um, all right, guys, I will leave you with Beyond Brightside. We have chapters 25 and 26. Hopefully you guys are digging it. I will talk to you next year. Peace. Chapter 25. No one said a word when I got back in the car. All eyes on Becky walking down the street with a slight limp. Bill thumbed a happy beat on the wheel waited until she crossed the street. Joe, aren't you the one who said she was 16? We all knew he was joking, but I didn't want to hear it. Even when I try to do the right thing, something gets screwed up. Got it, Bill said as he pulled into the first lane. I checked my gun, put it back in the holster, but left the strap undone. Bill found my eyes in the rear view. Remember, that shit's the last resort. No gunfire unless absolutely necessary. I said I understood. We passed by Becky just as she stepped onto the last block. She was doing a better job with her purse, but still clutching it tight like she was about to get robbed. A black limo with tinted windows sat at the far corner. Bill parked directly behind it. Dirk got on the radio. We got two on the front door. Can't tell if the driver's in the limo. Tone said. Assume he is, if not others. I tried not to sound nervous when I pointed out, they're looking at us. Dirt said, not anymore, because Becky had just stepped up to them, looking relaxed, purse loose at her side. We're up, youngster. I got out of the car and heard Becky's husky voice when she asked if Officer Donovan was working. 
The pudgy white guy with a round, droopy face said, No, he got off at six. The big Hispanic to his left admired Becky's ass, wondered what she wanted with that loser. Becky turned to him, her hand brushing his windbreaker. What a jerk, she said. He promised to show me the break room. Excuse me, honey, Dirt said to Becky when he shuffled past her and through the door. Becky got a huge smile from me. Play along. Like it should be a secret, she said. I know you. I pretended to be embarrassed. Figured it'd explain my flushed skin. Deanna, right? You never called me. The big guy asked me. You know her? I took hold of the handle. Sort of. My smile felt creepy. Time well spent. Becky touched his arm. So, what do you say? Want to escort me to the bathroom? She turned so her ass rubbed against him, her voice playful. You can pat me down. The white guy kept smiling but was thinking, Fucking Garcia? Lucky bastard? Before the door closed behind me, I said, You two have fun. The building was quiet. No one walking around the first floor. Dirt was in front of the receptionist's podium with its lush green planters circling behind it. At his feet lay a body in blue jeans and black boots. Dirt shrugged his shoulders. Couldn't fool him. I think they're coming in. Dirt pointed at the women's bathroom to my left. Get in there. I hurried into the first stall, straddled my legs on the door like I was giving birth, counted to twenty-two before the bathroom door opened. Becky's footsteps were soft on the tiles. Oh, what's wrong? You don't want to come in? She lowered her voice. I was serious about the pat-down. His response was muffled, and they were too far away to hear their thoughts. I breathed a little deeper, tried to calm my body. More spirited than I'd ever heard her, Becky said. You worried about what Kendrick might say? Don't be. He'd be just as guilty as you. I didn't know who Kendrick was, but seeing how this guy bought it, I assumed Dirt had slipped Becky the name of the dead receptionist. Loud enough to hear his hope, Garcia said, Really? Soft footsteps came closer, heavy boots clomping right behind. Becky stopped by the sink directly across from my stall. I got this. Stay out until I say so. Garcia stepped between Becky and the stall, the hem of his blue jeans barely a foot away, the black of his windbreaker all I could see out the crack. No one said a word, and I worried how loud I was breathing whether I could keep my legs up, my stomach cramping. If he turned around, I'd be fucked. As carefully as I could, I slid my hand onto my holster, raised the flap. With only a hint of irritation, Becky said, Hey, not so fast. Your friend will watch the front. Pyle, you do him too? No. Her voice got deeper. Why? Would you like it better if I did? Garcia blurted out, no. You just need to relax a minute, she said, soothing, caring, her mind repeating her mantra as she ran her hand across his chest and down his stomach. You guys have a high-stress job, trying to save our country. You need time to unwind. I know, Garcia said, playing it cool but thinking, holy shit, this is happening. I shouldn't do this. Give me your hands, Becky said. Good. 
Now hold on to the sink. That voice was intoxicating. Almost made me holster my pistol. He asked. What are you doing? Becky walked behind him, whispered. Good. Now step forward just a bit. He obeyed. Each word took a second like Becky was savoring them. Now, let everything relax. Garcia grunted. Holy fuck. Becky went down on one knee, then the other, her hands gripping the front of his thighs. I tried to turn to face her, but Becky held him tight. Hold still. My rules. To prove she was the boss, Becky said, Undo your belt. Your zipper. Sweat dripped from my chin onto my collar, the gun slippery in my grip. Garcia mumbled okay and Becky pulled down his jeans so they were bunched around his ankles. Your underwear, too. He bent over and I felt so sick for Becky. Couldn't stop from thinking this was all my fault, that I should just get out and put a bullet in the fucker's head. Becky silently screamed at me so loud I nearly dropped the gun. Joe, stop thinking! I thought an apology as Garcia's blue boxers bunched on top of his jeans, a tiny shit stain right in the middle. Becky shot forward, her shoulders slamming into Garcia's low back, her arms jerking his legs out from under him. Garcia's loud oomph was cut short by a thudding crack, a chunk of the sink shattering on the tile, a page straight out of Wendell's playbook. My feet hit the ground, everything pins and needles, made it so I could hardly think. I pulled open the stall door and took aim, lowered the gun, because there was no need for it. Becky rolled off Garcia, blocked my view. Don't look. The remaining half of the sink was sprayed red. I used the stall to help me stand. Looked anyway, because I was the one who made all this shit happen. Garcia's face was turned to the right his eye wide open in the spreading pool of blood. Becky picked up her hat and put it back on, washed her hands, threw water on her face. Becky, I'm so sorry. She looked at Garcia, all the blood. There's no cleaning this up. We'll put the trash can in the doorway, make it look like it's being serviced. Good idea. She dried her hands with a paper towel and threw it in the can. Let's finish this. Dirt sat on the stool behind the receptionist's podium, nodded at us as we hurried to the elevator. Good luck, Becky thought. Can't let anyone in there. Or in here, he thought, motioning at the planter. Should be okay, though. Ghost town in here. I pressed the up button for the only elevator, spotted Kendrick's hands sticking out from behind the bushes in the planter. We were too far from dirt for me to hear what he had thought, but Becky's response was clear. No. I'll bring him down. Sure about this? Becky glanced at the directory beside the button. Only a dozen names on it. Anders, the sole person on the fourth floor. It's our best bet. The elevator was small, not like the one we had at Brightside Travel. Becky pressed the button for the fourth floor and said, As long as he's like 99% of the population and doesn't take the stairs. The floor is crept by, my grip on my gun. We need him alive. I let go of it, wiped the sweat on my jeans. The door opened onto an empty hallway with a thick white carpet, the smell of lavender all around. 
Becky pointed to the left. He's the first on the right. Go past it for the stairs. The elevator door closed behind me, a staticky voice crackling in my ear. Copy? I walked to the left, the carpet so cushiony I couldn't hear my steps. Becky didn't respond to the transmission, so I whispered. No, repeat. The driver and backup are silenced. Allow the target to come down on his own. We have their car. An ornate gold nameplate on the solid oak doors stated the office belonged to Director Anders. Light shined under the door. I hurried past and radioed. I don't think Becky can hear us. Tone said. Then go get her. I turned back to the elevator, froze when Anders' door opened. He stepped out of the office, strode toward the elevator, a black briefcase to match his suit, cell phone to his ear. Anders was much bigger than I pictured more of an athlete than I imagined he'd be at 40. He pressed the button, kept talking, facing the elevator. The door opened and Becky exited, pretended not to be paying attention and bumped into Anders. Oh, I am so sorry, she said, holding up her hands. Still talking on the phone, Anders jerked his head to the side, irritated she was blocking the way. Becky said, sorry, but moved so slow the door closed. Anders kept talking and shook his head, jammed the call button. Afraid he'd hear me talk, loud as I could, I thought. Becky, he's not biting. Tone said to let him go. Becky broke off from almost interrupting him again and turned my way. Anders spun around and looked right at me, his penetrating gaze destroying any hope my disguise might work. I couldn't hear either of their thoughts, but saw what was going to happen. Anders winding up with his briefcase. Becky, duck! Becky dropped to her knees, but Anders adjusted his swing, the corner of the briefcase slamming into her side, knocking her over, her hat coming off. Fighting him one-handed was a losing option, so I went for my gun. Anders ran past Becky before I could get it out of the holster. She tackled his ankles, and he fell face first, the briefcase sliding my way. Becky kept hold of Anders' legs, drove into his hamstrings to keep him pinned. Anders looked over his shoulder and swung his fist hard, blam, right on Becky's nose, the crunch so loud it had to be broken. Becky lunged forward, arms around his neck, both feet hooking the inside of his thighs. She squeezed. I pulled out my baton because Anders had blocked Becky's choke with his chin, his hand pulling on her wrist. Anders thought, nice try, bitch, and threw himself back toward the wall. Becky rebounded with a thunk, the right side of her face smashed into his skull. Her letting go wasn't what scared me. It was how fast it happened, from full squeeze to nothing. Anders shook off the headbutt and rolled to his knees. He turned his head to the snap of the baton extending. Becky was knocked out, her face a bloody mess. I swung that baton as hard as I could on Anders' collarbone. None of us prepared for his scream. Holy shit, Dirt said over the radio. What the fuck's going on? Anders fell to the carpet his left hand holding his shoulder. You motherfucker! I hit him again, this time in the face, the skin on his cheek split in two. Joe! Becky rolled to her knees, her nose resting to the right, raining blood. Don't! I lowered the baton, my arms shaking, my whole body shaking. I wanted to hit him again. I looked right at him when I swore. One mistake, and I bash your fucking brains in, you fucking piece of shit, traitor. He smiled through the blood. Becky tilted her head and pinched her nose shut, snapped it back in place. 
Not the first time. She matched Anders' smile. He never saw the kick coming, her shoes slamming into his nuts from behind, so hard it almost dropped me. Anders rolled back and forth in a ball, juggling pain and nausea, holding it all in. Becky picked up the cell phone, saw the call was still going. Breathing. Listening. She passed on to me. She told the caller, I'm sorry, but Director Anders had an accident. He'll call you back as soon as he's able. Still balled up, Anders thought. Yeah. Bad accident where someone called me a motherfucker and wanted to bash my brain in. Becky slid the phone into her back pocket. He was face down. They didn't hear shit. I wasn't sure who she was lying for, but it was probably all of us. At least the caller would most likely hesitate contacting the authorities. So what now? She looked at Anders. We can't leave with him. I couldn't think straight and had no ideas. So? Becky got on the radio. Change of plans. We're doing it here. No one questioned it, just copied. Trust. Teamwork. They knew she wasn't someone to mess with. She kicked Anders in the ass. Get back in your office. You fuck up once, and he'll do what he said. Becky waited for him to look at her. And I won't stop him. Anders' right arm was useless, so I controlled his hand, held it up to the palm reader, his lips biting back the scream. The door clicked and I pushed it open, told Anders, move it. I'm not sure if it was intended for us to hear, but Anders thought, you'll all pay. Becky shoved him inside. That's all we've been doing. Now it's your turn. The office was immaculate. Bright white shag carpet and black leather everywhere. A giant marble desk sat near the expansive window that overlooked the dark ocean. The door to the right was open. A king-sized bed with black sheets and a glass shower in the corner. I didn't feel good and had to sit on the couch. Watched Becky guide Anders to his desk. Sit him where a guest would go. She moved around to his side of the desk and dropped the briefcase in front of him. Open it. It looked like he was playing along, but I got up with my baton, still a little woozy. Anders was navigating the five-digit combination with his left hand, but I walked over and rested the baton across his swollen clavicle, just enough pressure to make him squirm. The lock clicked open. Anders pushed the briefcase to her, blood running down his cheek and staining his shirt. I don't know what you plan on accomplishing. I don't control anything going on. I'm not responsible for any operations. Becky took out the laptop and set it in front of him on the desk. No shit, she said. Log in. Anders realized what we wanted with him and shook his head. I pushed down on his collar, drove him into the chair. Okay, okay. No more warnings. Anders typed in his password and turned the computer to Becky. Becky stuck something in the USB port and radioed. We're in. Do your thing. Chip said. On it. I asked Becky, how long do you think this'll take? She looked out the window, didn't see any flashing sirens. Won't be long. A knock came from the front door. Director Anders? A man said. You in there, sir? Becky warned him. Don't answer. He knocked again. Director Anders? Uh, there's blood out here. Becky pointed to the door. I got Anders. I headed that way, no idea what I was supposed to do. The red light blinked as the door clicked, and a young boot opened it, froze when he saw me. Oh, I'm sorry. I heard a scream. Anyone in here hurt? 
I won the award for most ridiculous lie of the year when I said, We're fine. He looked at my baton, his mind flying, trying to place me, figure why a woman was in Anders' chair, blood spotting the carpet, all our faces a mess. It's ours. Chip's voice crackled over the radio. We control their feeds. Casually as I could, I slipped the baton into my back pocket. Anders is meeting with his niece. She got a little hysterical. He thought, dude's lying. Trying to be sneaky, the boot rested his hand on his holster. I understand. I whipped out my gun, aimed it at his chest. Wish you didn't. He went for his gun, left me no choice but to fire, the bullet punching through his stomach, doubling him over. Becky said, shit, and hurried over to Anders. Get up. Why, so you can shoot me too? Becky grabbed hold of his broken clavicle and jerked him out of the chair, pushed him to the sliding door of the balcony. The door slid open. Anders would have laughed if it weren't for the pain. Through gritted teeth, he said, You guys are fucking amateurs. What are you going to do? Put out one video and shut us down? What good do you think it'll do? I could hear he was scared, covering it up with anger. All I got from Becky was her mantra, I'm strong. I headed for them so I could help, but Becky thought, I got this. You get the briefcase. Anders turned to face her, his low back pressed against the railing. Your attacks only make us stronger. We'll make the world hate you that much fucking more. Becky looked him in the eyes. Did you know people are being raped and tortured, all without any conviction? I have nothing to do with operations. Well, let's make that permanent. Becky dropped down and popped back up with his legs, tossed him over the edge. Scumbag. Night 7, Chapter 26 I've been standing here with my back to the blanket for far too long. My foot an angry throb, my body burning one minute, shivering the next. But I'm not ready to find out why Becky's crying. She's probably been able to overhear my every thought from the mattress where she's safely out of my lesser range. All I know is that whatever she's thinking about is destroying her. The bottom of the blanket brushes against my ankle. I put my back to the plywood, chalk it up to another hallucination. The blanket pushes in again, Mello's little head right behind it. I click my tongue three times like Dorothy's shoes. It's okay, boy. Come on in. Mello slips under the blanket and sits, his eyes on me, probably wondering why I didn't have the decency to use a litter box. I bend down and offer my hand. Yeah, yeah, you're the boss. Mello rubs his head against me, purrs so hard I feel it up my arm. The purr gets louder, reverberating in my brain faster and faster, my vision going black. I push Mello out of the way because I'm going down. It's okay, Becky whispers, her hand cold on my forehead. Don't move, Joe. I got you. The blanket that had been hanging is bunched up beneath me, my legs sprawled out, my good foot resting against the overturned shit bucket. Becky's behind me, holding me close, her body supporting mine. Shush. She's not crying anymore, but her voice shakes. It's okay. Relax. Her fear is coming through loud and clear, but it's all aimed at me. I almost ask what happened, 
with my shoulders throbbing intensely. I must have landed on it when I passed out. From here I can see the loose piece of plywood we have for a door. The 4x4 four four beam wedged behind it as a lock. A paper plate full of cat food sits beside it. Is Mello okay? The cat comes on cue, rubs against my thigh, slides his body up my hip. Oh, fuck. I forgot I was naked. Mello just inches away from my tiny little dick, all shriveled up like my soul. I grab for the blanket, but my ass is pinning it down, and I'm too weak to pull it out. I try to cover up with my hand, but Becky hugs me even tighter, makes it so I can't reach. Joe, none of that means anything. She rests her forehead against my neck. The tears return, run down my back. I thought you were dead. The needles resting on the carton next to my phone, the flashlight still going. You thought I killed myself? Becky shakes her head, wipes her tears with her arm. I heard you thinking about it, but I know what you decided. You plan to complete your mission. But what everyone's been saying, she thinks, too afraid to hear herself speak. You're not doing good, Joe. We've got to get you help. I set my hand down and Mellow curls up on top of my palm. I'm fine. She sighs. Yeah, I can totally tell. It's true I'm doing a little better, but it's still a shade of awfulness. I take a deep breath and hold it in. Notice Becky's heart beating against my back, my heart slowing to match it. I close my eyes, appreciate the moment, her arms around me, her skin against mine. My heart spikes because, holy shit, she's naked. It used to be that a stiff breeze could give me a boner, so I'd look about the room for something to focus on, finding nothing. As a distraction, I ask, why are you crying? Knowing she has a thousand legitimate reasons. The videos. I'm looking at the plywood, but seeing flashes of the park, Karina, the bales of pulverized people. They didn't go up? She sniffles. No, they did. Chip tagged everyone he could, used all the right hashtags, asked people to share if they love America and all it stands for. Boots take them right back down? They're down now. But even when they were up, no one gave a shit. But we showed all the bodies. Half those people weren't even telepaths. Doesn't matter, she says, so defeated. The rape, the torture, the confiscations, the killings, none of it. All I can do is sit here, mellow weighing down my hand. They've condemned the citizens against the unethical treatment of telepaths and are scooping up anyone who has shown support. Jesus, we should have known this would happen. The blare of a big rig's horn makes her pause. Ten minutes ago, they announced all cleared citizens will receive a bonus check, <laughs> along with unlimited streaming movies for the month. A little bonus for their loyalty. With what money? We've got the biggest deficit in history. Probably with the money the boots have been acquiring. Houses, vehicles, businesses. Pretty much anything they want. You've seen it. All they need is a supposed accusation. I'm sorry, Becky. But we're never shutting down the machine. 
The machine isn't the boots. It isn't the government. It's the country. It's fucking everyone. The thought is so depressing I can't consider it. There are still good people. Yeah. All the ones who want us dead. So what now? Find a safe house? I doubt there are any left. The whole system's been compromised. We can try Mexico. She doesn't say no, just tells me. Come on. Let's get you on the bed. I say okay, and she helps me onto my knees so I can crawl onto the mattress. Eyes down so I don't see her. Becky's on her feet, draping the blanket over me. It's okay. Just rest. As I thank her, I notice a purple bruise the size of a grapefruit below her right breast. I jerk my head away and say, Sorry. She sits on the edge of the mattress, the side of her leg just a foot from my face. I'm not a little kid, she says, but not defensive like the first time I mentioned her age. A chill rips through me, my skin cold and clammy without her against me. Becky scoots closer, puts her hand on my chest, the blanket between us. And you're not responsible for anything that's happened to me. I look up, her nose swollen, both eyes black and blue, her right cheek ballooned. Yes, I am. All this is my fault. No. Her eyes don't waver, the light flickering off the watery blue. You didn't do this to me. I wanted to leave Brightside. I made that decision. Another spasm shakes me, Becky's hand holding me still. She takes a breath and blows it out, waits for me to look at her. All you've done is watch out for me and care for me and treat me with kindness. You've shown me more love than anyone ever has, other than my parents. I've been nothing but a piece of shit all my life. Becky wipes the tears I didn't know I was crying. Well, good thing I'm only judging you by the week I've known you. Thank you, I say, sounding pretty choked up. Thank you for everything. Of course. She turns to her phone, vibrating on the mattress. What is it? Tone. Says they're ready to go. Becky types a response. I told him we need a half hour. The last thing in the world I want to do is leave this spot, but I play strong and say, I can get ready now. Becky sets the phone down and says, Not yet. She pulls back the blanket and slides underneath it, her skin warm, her breasts soft against my side. Her thigh slides over mine as she melts into me. A flood of emotions hits hard, my brain in a panic. What are you doing? Her hand goes back to my chest, and she shushes me. Joe, I've never been touched. Half a lifetime ago was my first time, with Mandy, my broken teacher. I'm not the... I need someone to hold me, she says, praying I won't reject her. I don't want to say the words that feel so right yet so wrong, but I owe her an answer. I can try. Before Brightside, I manipulated my way into women's hearts and bedrooms. Knew it was wrong every time. But this feels so different. 
my brain shouting stop but my heart pounding beat for beat with Becky's. My erection is a surprise, the only part of me that's working. I say, I'm sorry, and try to pull away, but she holds me there, her leg wrapped around mine, her arm across my chest. Becky brings herself on top of me, lowers down until we're touching, wipes the tears from my eyes. Shush. I don't want you to feel sorry for me, Joe. I want you to hold me. I want you to feel loved. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.